Beautiful, Mary Jane, just beautiful. Mm, yeah, there's something special about Sunday morning in Central Park. Soft summer breeze and cool green trees, shafts of golden sunlight filtering down through whispering leaves on young lovers below. Hey, how about that? Rod McEwen, eat your heart out. I hate to tell you this, Petey, but a poet you ain't. Oh, is that so? But your heart's in the right place, and you do have redeeming features. Yeah? Like what? Oh, well, uh... Ooh, listen. Listen to what? The bells, the old cathedral bells. I love that sound, don't you? Who, me? Oh, sure. Hey, all of a sudden, my spider sense is tingling. So silvery clear, so pure, so near. A poet, MJ, you also ain't. I'm tingling like crazy. Old spider senses screaming danger. Mary Jane, look out! Peter, that tree cut in half clean as a whistle just where I was standing before you pulled me away. Like it was hit by lightning, only there's not a cloud in the sky. What could it have been? I don't know, but let's get out of here. Something tells me this is the beginning of big trouble. Trouble is, I don't know what the trouble is. Well, here we are, back in the hot, muggy streets of New York. Some ending for a Sunday morning in the park. Oh, forget it, Petey. Just one of those things. Let's walk over to Jefferson Center and see what's on for tonight. Okay, though I'm not exactly in the mood for Mozart and all that kind of goings-on. Uh-oh. Here comes that trouble, only sooner than I expected. Look, Peter. Those police cars are headed towards... Oh, wow! All right, all right, stand back, everybody. Jefferson Center, it's gone. Wait here, MJ. I gotta get a closer look and some pictures for Jameson. Hold it, Mac. Where do you think you're going? Here's my press card, officer. I'm a photographer for the Bugle. Did you see what happened? It was weird. I'm sitting right here in the squad car, looking right at it, and pow! Like lightning out of the blue. No warning, no nothing. Five million bucks worth of cement and glass one minute? A pile of dust the next. I'm calling all cars, calling all cars. Stand by for special orders. This is the commissioner. Hey, the top brass got to be pretty important. At 11 o'clock this morning, a series of simultaneous bombings leveled buildings all around the city. Jefferson Center on the west side, the International Exchange downtown, a UN mission on the east side, and the University Library in the Heights were destroyed, among others. No clue as to the identity of the bombers. <whistles> all off-duty officers report for duty immediately. Patrol cars and bombed areas proceed with caution. Further instructions will follow. Sounds like time for Spider-Man to go into action. Well, thanks, officer. I've got my pictures. Uh, Mary Jane, I'll call you later. Gotta get this stuff down to the bugle. It is 11.45 that night. Outside a deserted warehouse downtown, a glimmer of light shines through a boarded-up window on the top floor. Inside, Sean Strickland, sound engineer at a top New York recording company, stands facing the most formidable array of electronic equipment ever assembled under one roof. <laughs> I baited the trap, and now just a few minutes, and I'm on my way. Those dumb cops will never figure out how the bombings were done. But Spider-Man will, and he'll walk right into my trap. <laughs> and when he does, I, Sean Strickland, son of Sonic Man, will destroy him. Power, how sweet it is. At that very moment, swinging his way through the canyons and rooftops of mid-Manhattan, Spider-Man thinks aloud as he approaches his rendezvous with death. Whoever is responsible for those bombings laid them out in a neat circle around the city. At the same time, 
He hits the tree in the park like he's aiming an arrow for me to follow. Not to Jefferson Center, but from the center to the tree, and then straight on to, ah, there it is. The cathedral right smack in the center of the circle. Uh-oh, watch it, Spidey. Old Spider's senses ring a tingle in a way like those bells. The bells, of course, why didn't I think of that before? Yes, Spider-Man, you were a little slow. You've kept me waiting. Huh? Well, what do you know? Sonic Man! I should have known. No, not Sonic Man. Ultra Sonic Man. Now I see why there were no bomb fragments, burn marks, or radioactivity at any of the bomb sites. Sound was the weapon. Correct. By combining an ultrasonic intensifier with my multi-directional macrosonic disintegrator, I magnify the sound waves of the bells into an incredible destructive force. So that each stroke of the bells was spreading a circle of destruction around the city. But why the tree in Central Park? I knew your bird-brained friend Peter Parker was there with his girlfriend, and that he would get you in on the action. Whew. At least he doesn't know that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are one and the same person. Uh, how come, chum? Why me? Nothing personal, you understand? But by destroying Spider-Man, I'll show the world, and more particularly those dim-witted, no-talent studio execs, that I, Ultrasonic Man, who they call Sean Strickland... The recording engineer at XYZ Recording? Right. I'll prove that I'm the greatest sound man of all time, and I'm starting right now! So it's the web slinger versus the bell ringer. Wow, gotta get out of the way of the sound waves of those bells. And faster, I'm a dead duck. Too late, Spider-Man. The bell's told for you. <laughs> but not for long. How's this for a fancy web shot? Got him! All the bells in one web. And now that your bells have gone bye-bye, little man, just be a good boy and give yourself up. Oh, yeah? Well, just try this on for size. Jumping Jehoshaphat! A sonic ray gun just barely got out of the way. <laughs> My miniaturized microsonic disintegrator, one attached to each hand. You mean used to be attached to each hand? Man, he's fast. Got away from two of my best web shots. And yikes! I'm out of cartridges! <laughs> the sonic jets on my feet make me the fastest human alive, besides being the most powerful. But enough of this chit-chat. Say your prayers, Spider-Man. He's poised on the spire of the bell tower. Here I come! He's diving straight at me! Both disintegrators firing and me with no weapon! It'll take a miracle to get me out of this one! Well, what do you know? The bells! They broke loose from the webbing! Help, Spider-Man, help! My sonic jets have gone dead! I'm falling! Falling! How about that for a miracle? The vibrations from the bells put his jets out of action. But I just can't let him fall. Ah! Gotta grab him as he comes by. Oh, there! Got him! Now, to take some of the broken webbing from the bells and wrap him up in a nice little package for the police. Did you hear what happened last night? Spider-Man captured the Mad Bomber. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was a recording genius who invented this gizmo that turns bells into bombs or something. Well, I'll be a ding-dong daddy. He's got these things on his hands and his feet, and the whole thing was a trap for Spider-Man, and you wouldn't believe what happened to all the
Sonic Man. Yeah. He, and he'll he's a Peter Parker's he's a ding a dong sound daddy. Engineer, ding dong daddy. He's yeah. a ding dong daddy. All right. Hey. Pretty wild. Welcome Pretty wild to uh, Slough Radio Season Three, season Episode three. One. All right. Season Three, Episode One. Here we, we are. are. We're trying to do uh, these as we get uh, time permitting. Uh, but now that we are in uh, March of 2022, things are we're uh, rocking again. Things for real. are yeah, we're starting then, to actually uh, rock a bit. So we don't have time for this as much because we're. In fact, it's kind of weird doing this again. Like, don't even know what. It's not regular it's a whole anymore. Different mode, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's that not was not regular anymore. That's what happens with age. That was the uh, Spider-Man from 1975 that was called The Bells of Doom on Power Records, catalog number 8144. Hey, what's that weird scratchy noise in the background? Scratchy noise? Do you hear that? Scr- like yeah, I do. Someone breathing. I think some- we got someone on the line, man. Someone on the line. Someone on the line. <laughs> Right. So, it's our uh, next guest. Our, we have special guests this week. Uh, Mike, do you want to oh, tell no, us a little oh, bit about... Uh, yes, okay. it is. Is he there? I'm there. Yeah, it's there. It's, it's uh, Bob Preston from... Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob Preston from... Uh, no one calls you Bob, do they? No. It's probably good, I guess. After a certain <laughs> age, after a certain decade, there's no Bobs anymore. They're all Robs, you know? Bob Wright was the last generation of, of Bobs, I guess. But but uh, Rob Preston, for, I guess we'll say from Doom Planet Records, is that the, still the way to uh, address you, sir? Like, I guess you could. Ex-Doom Planet. Uh, Ex-Doom formerly Planet. Formerly known as Doom Planet Records. Formerly known as Doom Planet <laughs> So you haven't like done Doom... Well, I, I don't know. I, I just saw uh, something that you sent us that said Doom Planet Records on it. It was by, In fact, it was by Invicta. Well, let's, oh let's, yeah, that's a that was one of my really old releases. Let's let's preface this a little bit, Mike. Okay, for people who don't know, Doom Planet well, Records. We're getting to it. Yeah, Doom Planet Records it, was the uh, and Rob Preston as the one the uh, CEO, sing, the yeah. sing, the single uh, super uh, heavy metal um, enthusiast. He put out um, the first um, full length. Slaufeg album. No, well, on vinyl. On yeah. vinyl, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, no, the first vinyl period the that first, we did the, of the, any sort. The first vinyl period. Doom Planet. And now, now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rob. It was was Slaufeg your first release? Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Cool. Doom Planet yeah, was, number uh, one. Definitely. I was working on another release, but uh, all the cards fell, so that, that ended up being the first release. Okay, so so Twilight of the Idols was the first Doom Planet, Doom Planet release, release, and it was our first vinyl, and it was our first, basically our first label was Doom Planet because we were signed to Dragonheart at the time. Uh, after we put right. out the first CD ourselves, yeah, you. And, but, that all sort of so if my memory serves me right, the uh, that all sort of happened around the same time it was yeah i started working with uh doing the record and then the you signed to the uh, italian label Dragon yeah Art. and then they yeah around the same time and then we put out the vinyl first uh just because it right. sort of happened that way and enrico you know they they got kind of pissed about it because it was we, I, I don't know what Competing. i i said something like oh yeah well they're just gonna i don't think it'll affect your your 
CD sales over in Europe. It's not going to affect the bottom line, pal. Super underground, man, you know. And then it came out and there was like an ad in some Greek zine and, and you know, it was sort of like seemed like, oh, wait a second, what's this happening first? So, but the interesting part about that is not even all that, but that vinyl surfaced in uh, 1998 uh, and that the the CD didn't come out until 99, even though it was probably only separated by a couple of months. It was just right on the... Right on that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, it was I think there was about a six month. Uh, oh, six gap months. In there. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, that's cool, though. I like yeah, when okay. the, you know, the band came You have out. to remember for this was back in the days of uh, snail mail and everybody yeah. just writing to each other yeah. and faxes and communication yeah, was yeah. a lot slower than the today's that's social true. media. So, well, we're, uh, we were sending emails back then, but it wasn't like very. Yeah, not a lot of people had email, and a lot of business wasn't done on email yet, I guess. I right. believe, I think. Exactly. Uh, so, I don't really remember that. So yeah, you know, the uh, uh, the thing about when that record came out in 98 uh, was it was not anything like now where it's like everybody's doing uh, vinyl releases. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was bucking the trends. So in the '90s, vinyl was then, totally it, not popular. Guys bucking were the trends, sort of like vinyl. Yeah, they were. Oh, vinyl. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's why would true. You put it out on vinyl? No, you're right. They were. I forgot about that. That like that's hard for a lot of people to imagine now. But uh, certain people said after that, and after I, you put the next album out on on vinyl as well, uh, down among the dead men, and they were like. Why? What are you doing? Why are you putting vinyl out? You know, I mean, obviously the underground metal people got it, but a lot of people who didn't collect records are like, "What are you doing, man?" Because it wasn't like now where vinyl was this to a lot of people like this exciting, almost new thing. <laughs> like it was this thing that happened that went out ten years before that, right, or something, or not yeah, even ten years exactly. before that, like like seven years before that. So anybody who has <clears throat> a copy of Twilight of the Idols or Down Among the Dead Men on vinyl. The only reason you have that vinyl is because of one Rob Preston, who has been the champion of Slaufeg <laughs> right. since before yeah, I even I mean, came on the scene. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I knew good metal when I heard it, and uh, yeah. I wanted to put the record out. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rob, what was your first experience with Slaufeg? Oh, man. It was a phone call out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. Rob, what was your yeah, first yeah, experience yeah. with Slaufeg? I think it was a phone call. Ray Dorsey um, told you to call us. <laughs> yeah, Ray Dorsey told me about Slaufeg. It was Ray Dorsey was a guy who lived in Maryland <clears throat> who was like this big uh, sort of in the 80s. I guess he was a major force in like the tape trading network, like a big underground guy. Like he knew everyone. And yeah, and he did a magazine called uh, the Chaos. Okay, yeah, Chaos. That's right. I did an interview yeah, for that. So, yeah. um, you know that that I don't even remember when the first issue of Chaos came, but by the time I knew Ray, he had been doing that for a long time. But he sort of uh, Ray was really good at uh, you know doing reviews of albums that. So he was a metal you didn't detector. Necessarily come across in your, your run-of-the-mill places. So he yeah. would always get his magazine, and uh, you would wonder, you know, what band and what out, what bands is he going to cover this time, and what records have you never heard of that he's going to review? 
and uh, uh, and that's how you found out about. He was stuff, a serious man. metal yeah. detector. Yeah, he he uh, he, he yeah. Was, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Yeah, and and I want to say that uh, Ray got the uh, the first CD from Dennis Gulby. Probably, yeah, Dennis Gulby from yeah, Sentinel Dennis Steel. Was, and oh. him, you know, they were out there in the East Coast, and Dennis was probably. You know, he knew Ray also, and so when he, he would talk to Ray, you know, he would recommend things to him. He's like, yeah, you got to check these guys out. So, um, Okay, so then you call, you called Mike, or did Mike call you? No, he, Rob called yeah, me out I'm, of nowhere. I, I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure I called Mike, and then... Uh, you say, hey, man, I, I no, want to put yeah, out yeah, 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 How yeah. you doing? I want to No, I remember record. the phone call really well, because <laughs> Dennis Gulby was a guy who had Sentinel Steel, which is this very small label one of the only metal labels I knew, I mean, like underground labels I knew about in the mid nineties. And cause he had a magazine called Sentinel steel. Also, there was totally just like photocopy. Like it was like, looked like a, I remember it was a big, it was like eight and a half by 11, but it looked like a zine, you know, just like, like black and white. It got perfect. better. I mean, Sentinel okay. Steel magazine was actually pretty nice compared to oh, yeah. them out there. Okay. Well, it, I remember I saw was it on issue. like newspaper print. No, it was actually just on like some kind of cardstock cover and, you know, just real, when I saw it, it had right. Iron Maiden with Blaze Bailey. It had like. Ooh. It was when that came out, when the when the X Factor came out. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play with ba- Blaze Bailey. We're gonna Bailey. play with Blaze Bailey, Blaze Bailey soon in yeah. Denmark at the Metal yeah, yeah. Magic Festival in July. But uh, yeah, there was Steve Harris, Steve Harris on the front of it, and Dennis. I, I found it uh, that that uh, that magazine, and uh, I read the interview, and I thought it was hilarious because he was being really. I mean, this is like underground metal. He was being totally. Uh, Frank with Steve Harris about how he didn't like the record and stuff. Like during the interview, he wasn't being rude. He was just being like, he was like, yeah, so what about this? So what about, you know, and the reason I say it's an underground magazine, because back then when, when Maiden put out the X Factor, it was when metal is at its low point, obviously. So yeah. a small magazine like like that could actually interview Steve Harris. You know, where now you could never, you know, you could probably never do it. But, but um, back then they were playing play. Just before that, I saw that magazine. Iron Maiden, we uh, uh, the three-piece band when it was Justin Phelps on bass still, like one of the last things he did with us, and Greg Hay on drums. We went up to uh, to Portland and uh, and Eugene probably and uh, Seattle. When we played in Seattle, this is that same. I think it was either the year before that I found Dennis Gulby or the or the same year, like ninety five, ninety four. We played this place called the Off Ramp, which is a not a huge place, uh, not a tiny club, but not a big place at all. Uh, in in uh, um, Seattle, and we got in there, and they said, "Oh yeah, Iron Maiden played here last night or two last week." We were like, Whoa. "What the hell?" It was, place was not that big. It was like, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like uh, not even as big as like Slim's or something. It was, you know, it was relatively so small. like less than a thousand, probably a five hundred capacity wow. or, or or less, maybe probably five hundred capacity. Uh, and we were just like, it was probably the size of. At the biggest, it was the size of Slim's. You know, there's all oh, Maiden wow. just played here last week. We were like, yeah, that's that's where Iron Maiden were in 2005. So they were really they were underground. This this is an underground magazine. He was interviewing Steve Harris, and he was like, Steve Harris kept saying, I get the feeling you don't really like the album. And Dennis was like, Yeah, I find it inaccessible and drab. He was just being totally. I mean, it's true. It is. It is a pretty drab record. You know, totally truthful. And he was just telling the truth completely. I thought this guy's pretty cool. Like he's obviously a huge Maiden fan, but he's telling Steve Harris exactly what he thinks. 
of the X Factor. Someone's got to say something. I know. And Steve <laughs> Harris wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a print interview, so you couldn't tell inflections. But Steve Harris was like, he took it pretty well as far as you could tell in the interview. He was like, well, okay, uh, you know, I, 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 your I, I take your opinion, uh, but I stand behind the material. I really like it. And Dennis was like, well... I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll give it another listen. I'll give it another chance, you know? And it was just really, like, rational, you know? But but I thought, that guy sounds pretty interesting. So I sent him the first album, the, the first that we had just pressed the first CD. I sent it to, to Sentinel Steel, Dennis Golby, and he got back to me almost immediately saying, hey, man, I want to distribute your record in, uh, you know, in Europe, in America. I want to buy, you know, 50 copies or some huge amount for us at that time. Right. And he's like, because we didn't have any distribution. We were like selling it to what, record stores. You were selling it out of the trunk of your car. Or to whatever. Yeah, we had nothing. We really were. And he was the first guy to be like, I want to I want to buy 50 copies. I want to give them to all the right people. And then I want to sell some of them. And I want to say, can I send some out as promos and all that? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'll buy them all. I'll send a certain amount out as promos. One of them went to Ray Dorsey, uh, who was just a prominent uh, zine guy and tape trading guy on the East Coast. And then... He told three friends, and he, you know, he told a lot of people. Uh, people back yeah. here, like Ron Quintana, heard from Ray Dorsey. Oh yeah, I got this guy telling me about this band Sloughfag. Is it Ron Quintana? With you know, at a, at a KUSF. Well, he already knew about us because he'd like booked Slew? us a bunch of times. But Slough, Slough, yeah, that kind of Slough? thing. Yeah, yeah. And Ray Dorsey, I guess, told Rob Preston. And then here's the funny thing: is when Rob, when you called us, when you called me. You were like, hey, man, is this someone from Sloughfeg? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, wow, a good band in San Francisco. I can't believe it. And because uh, you were living where? Fremont at the time? Fremont, yeah. yeah. And I remember you said to me this. So you like you made like what? A couple because you'd heard the whole story at this point. You heard, you made a couple demos and then this CD, right? But you don't play live ever, do you? And we had been playing live for five or six years around here like almost weekly, like constantly. But it, see, that's how metal, it was so fractured and fragmented back then, like the kind of metal that we were doing, that you, you could have a guy in Fremont who's the hugest metal head in the world, collects everything, who's never heard of who's you. Who's never you know? even heard of you, yeah, yeah. He's like, you actually play, what? We play live all the time. What do you mean? We're playing with grunge bands and hardcore bands and death metal bands, and no one cares. So Rob really was like one of our first important contacts into the out 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 of the he Bay was a area. big champion of you guys a for sure. so yeah do you remember that that you were like champion of metal. do you remember well, that that you didn't know the that other we thing, you know the you know from my perspective uh part of the problem with uh there are so many live shows in the bay area that uh when you're living an hour away from san francisco or oakland or wherever you inevitably end up uh, going to see a band that you you're familiar with, and if there's a smaller metal band on a bill of other bands that you also don't know, it's sort of off the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. So you were a music Yeah, you never even heard of us, which is not surprising. I mean, no one really knew about us outside of around here in Oakland and a few things, and not a lot of them liked us anyway. Uh, cause we were, no one else was, we were just doing this really uncool style, uh, until basically Dennis Galby, Ray Dorsey, you know, basically the mid nineties when those guys started to hear about us and then you heard about us and we started to get a reputation. And this is the funny thing is we started to get a reputation in Europe first and, uh, people like you and some guys on the East coast, obviously. And like the guys from like twisted tower dyer and all that in America started to hear about us and would trade things and send me stuff. And I got really excited by that because we'd been just like 
hitting the skids for it's ever since we got here, like five years, five years. And I was like, Jesus, man, what, uh, you know, ready to give up basically. And then, uh, we got these, these going nowhere fast. Yeah. I got these nibbles from the East coast and from down South. And and I started to, you know, people started to hear about us here. The funny thing is some of the, like, uh, more extreme metal bands around here and some of sort of the more like the metal, whatever you call it, like new metal or whatever that shit, machine head type of stuff. Those guys already knew who Slaufeg was. Some of them liked us. Some of us didn't at all. Some of them didn't at all. But they started to see, like some of these bands that were always trying to get into Terrorizer and were always trying to get into Kerrang! And were always trying to get into Metal Maniacs and wanted to get an interview or get this or that. All of a sudden, Slaufeg at the bottom of the shit barrel of the San Francisco metal who play lame-ass Iron Maiden true metal, our names started to crop up in those magazines in Europe, in America, and they were like, hey, man, how the hell did you get in Nordic Vision, man? Nordic yeah, Vision? Yeah. That John, John Gossard That's from awesome. Weakling, who was my friend, you know, who, who likes Slaufeg, but he was like, you guys were in Nordic Vision and Terrorizer? How'd that happen? Because a lot of people thought that you know, you make it out of San Francisco, you make it out of the Bay Area, and you slowly creep up in other places. But we were like nowhere in San Francisco, and so I found a way to get us in all those those things in Europe and other parts of America. And I was, he's like, how'd you get in those? I said, well, we put up a CD, we sent it to a bunch of people overseas, and, you know, they heard about us. So we were And then Rob up. Preston put out vinyl. Yeah, well, this is before. <laughs> but we, we is like 96, 97 when that happened. I think 90, but it was still 96 when we started getting Nordic Vision, which is the ultimate black metal publication was like the black metal magazine and like they gave us a really good review too which is they always shat on everybody you know and all of a sudden they gave us a great review for a band that wasn't even black metal so that was really exciting and uh that's sort of how it worked we were like well okay maybe we can use this to like bring it back here so when bands from europe come when they want us to open for them and all that crap you know and then rob decided to put the album out and once he did that it was a exciting uh, exciting event because we got to you to europe then with copies of the vinyl, which I carried around on my back through Amsterdam, you know, the whole way when I was young and, and spry, you know. Anyway. I did exactly the same thing, loading up my luggage when I went to Germany mm. with records to sell the Hellion or wherever yeah. and uh, take them. So, Were yeah. you there when we went to Europe the first time, or was it the second time? One of those times, you were. I think you were there when we went to Europe, maybe, I don't remember. The first time when you just decided you were going to go, yeah, uh, without a tour, I was there. Yeah, and then we got three or f- we got we got uh, shows with Sacred Steel, and were you? Oh, you were there for those gigs? Uh, no, I missed all those shows. You were I just hung out with you guys at the Vakken yeah, Festival. Yeah, Vakken, you were that there. Was, yeah, that was '99. Yeah, that's when we first went over. We decided we were going to go, and we didn't have any shows. And then so Vakken '99. Who played at Vakken in '99? Well, uh, Perry, Perry Grayson uh, from uh, um, Destiny's End played. Destiny's Do you remember who headlined that year? Was it D. Snyder? No, it wasn't D. Snyder. That was the next year. Who headlined? Well, there were a lot of big bands there. I think if my memory if my memory is right, Venom was one. Venom of the was big there. Bands. Yeah, I saw Venom for a minute. Yeah. Um, or was that the next year? I don't remember. <laughs> I also saw Razor on one of the side stages. Okay. Girl School. Yeah, Girl School was there. Uh, I saw yeah, Grim Reaper uh, that year. I, Tigers of Pantang, I think, was the big, big headliner okay, on one night. Okay. That was at like 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tom Gaddis played with... Uh, with um, War Dog. War Dog. And that ah. was the tour we got on to. War Dog, Destiny's End, Sacred Steel. 
Garrett Mutz from Stakered Steel had become another one of my European pen buddy, pen pals. I like Tom Gaddis. He's cool. Tom Gaddis is way cool. And uh, he and Garrett Mutz from Sacred Steel was like, you're going to come? I said, I'm coming to Vakken Festival. We're just going to, Greg and I are just going to come. And he's like, well, can you bring like the rest of the band? And I was like, well, there's only one other person. And it was John Cobbett. Can you bring your whole band and play a few shows with us? And I said, hell yeah. He said, we're touring with Destiny's End, who we had already played with out here because they were from L.A. And I said, yeah, we can. So he's like, well, here, come out and get on our tour bus and play a couple shows with us down in, you know, Stuttgart and Essen. So we did. And once we got those shows, I asked Russ Smith how we could play in England, and he could put me in touch with Rich Walker from Solstice, and that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship, you know, <laughs> with everyone. But that okay. was it, yeah. And yeah. Rob, you, okay, you were there great. for Vakken. Yeah. So, uh, so, Rob, you want to tell oh, us about uh, I have to, uh, I, I made a mistake. I just went and checked something. That oh, was oh. not in 99. You're right, they were in 2000. Mike was right, that was Dee Snyder. Yeah, Dee Snyder was 99? Um, yeah, it was. Okay. I think it was Snyder, or Finn, maybe it was the next year. But also, Finn, there was Metal Church, yeah. Hammerfall, Immortal played, Jag Panzer, Leatherwolf, Leather Memory Wolf. Garden, Nevermore. Yeah. Uh, Nevermore. Saxon. Yeah, I saw Saxon. I think. I think. But yeah, D. Snyder, uh, D. Snyder played, but. Thin Lizzy was That's still supposed a good to lineup, though. That's still a good lineup. Do you remember that? Thin Lizzy without Phil, obviously, were supposed to headline, but they canceled somehow. And then D. Snyder was flown in to fill in for them, and he was awesome. Oh. That was he was really really okay. good. But that was one of those years. I don't know. He was there. Yeah. All right. So Rob, uh, you want to tell us uh, about these uh, couple of songs that you are going to have us play here? Tell us about this uh, um, parallax. I will make a comment on the uh, Spider-Man thing. That oh, was, yeah, yeah. What's uh, up with that? The Bells of Doom. Yeah. yeah, I chose that for a reason because uh, the uh, crazed recording uh, uh, professional with his, uh, the ultrasonic man yeah. with his macrosonic disintegrator. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, which I sort of thought of Slaufeg when I was listening to that. Why? Uh, it sounds like a song that we... Oh, know. I don't know. Macrosonic Disintegrator? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like something off the Traveler or something Yeah, I think like you just came up with a good a good idea for a song. Macrosonic Disintegrator? Yeah, right. Disintegrator. I think that's it. Yeah, easy, right? Oh, easy. Really easy. Yeah, yeah. And Metal Detector. That's one of the first records that I ever owned, and I still have it. And I, that record came out in 1975. And I think I got it like in 77-ish when I was, say, seven years oh, old. Oh, you want to hear so, a piece uh, of weird? Uh, I thought it would just be fun to, uh, you know, Yeah, hey, do that you remember that? Because when that I first story. saw that, <laughs> when I first saw that, that you were going to play Spider-Man theme something from 1975, the first thing I thought of was that weird TV show they made. That was not a cartoon uh, or anything. Do you remember that the Spider-Man show from like the late mid to late seventies? It was the uh, uh, live action one, right? Well, live act. I mean, it was. I vaguely recall that. Live I mean, act. I mean, it was. It was a real. Yeah, it was a real. It was not TV. prime yeah, time. It wasn't a cartoon. It was an actor climbing yeah. the live action. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he looked weird. He, he was kind of like he looked yeah. like Spider-Man, but it was a little. The colors are a little strange. I remember on his outfit, and it, it, yeah. All right, so yeah, here, this was part of a series. There was a 
seven million dollar or the whatever it is, six million dollars. No, I had that. I had that record. Superman and uh, I had the Star Trek too. Same series. I had this. I had that record somewhere. The six million dollar man one. It was like a gatefold. You know, had like what's his name's face on the front, and then. Lee Majors. Yeah, Lee Majors. Yeah, and then uh, Lee Majors. Col- uh, what do you call him? Colt Seavers. I mean, uh, Heath Barkley, or or uh, what was his name? Uh, Steve Steve Austin. Yeah, but uh, I I uh, I just went decided to go through Lee Majors' career. You know, but I also had a Star Trek one that I have oh, somewhere yeah. still. I think that had like really really bad overdub voice. The, the the guy trying to sound like Doctor McCoy. It was awful. He was just like those Star Trek <laughs> records are never good. Yeah, there's yeah. Like a the couple Spock of, guy was really bad. There's a like, couple of really that's not logical. Like some there's like some yeah. weird sounds in there that are cool, but the stories themselves yeah. they're 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 not that. No, great. they're terrible. Yeah. And the and the uh, yeah the sound effects are the only cool. Yeah, thing. Yeah, the sound effects are cool. But I, the I, actors I, are awful. They I try to sound like Kirk. Those yeah. rec- Star Trek records several times, several times. But anyways, uh, Rob. So speaking of records, um, you sent us some music to play here. Uh, tell us a little about a little bit about this Parallax. Oh yeah, Parallax. That's uh, song "White Lightning" from their uh, three-track EP from 1980 on Reddington Rare Records, which is on uh, red vinyl. Hey. And it's just a uh, total hammer of new wave of British heavy metal. It's one of my favorite uh, songs from that whole uh, new wave scene back then. Cool. Uh, All right. Uh, well, let's check it out. Uh, this is Parallax White Lightning.
pretty cool. Cool. Uh, the parallax was cool too, but that was that was what's that called again? Tell us about that, Rob. Yeah, that's uh, the Ngozi family on their album Forty Five Thousand Volts. Uh, that song was House of Fear, and it was recorded uh, May nineteen seventy seven. And uh, I'm sure you could tell that it had like a total Sabbathy kind of. You know, the singer was channeling Ozzy there a little bit. Um, I didn't really, th- yeah, it, not, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to hear that uh, a couple times to uh, sort of get that. I um, thought it was cool the first so time. The, I yeah. the, the main riff was cool. How I, I want to steal yeah, that riff. That, Rob, how, do you, how the, did you stumble upon this? So th- this band is... Uh, in what's a, a sort of a genre called Zamrock or Zambian rock. <laughs> Zambian, and, African metal, right? Uh, I took a couple Zambians the, the other de- day. In man. the last decade, there have been a few labels that are reissuing these, you know, heavy rock, hard rock, psychedelic records from Zambia. And in general, they're all pretty damn good. Um, these records were never really available in America or Europe for that matter until the, they were reissued in the last 10 years or so. Wow. And there were, uh, this guy, uh, Paul Ngozi, the guitarist for the Ngozi family was incredibly prolific. I don't even know how many albums were he they has, really a family? He, he recorded at least 10 albums, something like 20 singles. And, uh, again, they were, uh, all, everything was sung in English except for most of these albums also had a few songs that were sung in the native tongue of that band from that region of Zambia. But at that time, Zambia had like a constitutional mandate that the music be recorded in English. And uh, so the... uh, That's kind of gnarly. Yeah, that's not nice. That's yeah, authoritarian. So why were they? A, why were they uh, occupied or something? Reissue on the Now Again uh, label NA fifty two hundred one out of uh, Southern California, and there are other versions of it. And uh, the all of those Zambian records are very rare. I don't have any of the originals, so I don't have any catalog numbers about the original pressings at hand. No, just the fact that uh, you have this, that's yeah. crazy, And how did, you, how did you come across this one? Because obviously you do a shitload of music research you always have. Otherwise, that's how well, you found out about a slough The Ngozi family, I actually, the first Zambian record I ever got was a solo record of the drummer of the Ngozi family. His name is Chrissy Zebi Tembo. And so I just not really a saw family. the shop. This, uh, so I had a record in yeah. a shop in Portland. I knew the owner of the store. I asked him about it, listened to it. And the first time I heard that, it was it didn't really work for me because uh, it was just a little little more out of my wheelhouse than what I, I know. And then later I heard another song and I started to... Uh, I was like, okay, now I get it. I have to get my head around what they're doing here. It's uh, not what I'm familiar with. And then I learned that, oh, well, he was the drummer for the Ngozi family. And then there was a Ngozi family record. And I, this, I bought the 45,000 Volts record, which was uh, 
there's actually a there's also a bootleg version which is what i bought first and then now again reissued it later legitimately the crazy thing about uh the Ngozi family is from what i understand all the band members are dead well like they were all essentially not. wiped out by aids oh whoa ouch well these guys the AIDS, aren't really like the that. aids epidemic hit zambia so hard that most of these musicians didn't survive the ones that survived are the ones that fled the country when there was like an economic collapse and they just saw that they couldn't uh survive as musicians in that country so they went to canada or london or america of those old time guys from those bands from the 70s spread around the world but most of them died that guy's name was Lagozi, not Lagozi, Lagozi <laughs> family. Was Nagozi like he's not like the? They're not an actual family. Like he's he's not the the David Cassidy of yeah, Zambia. Yeah, I mean, his or, name is Paul yeah. Nagozi, so, and it was sort of like I think show? the Nagozi family was just sort of a uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, just a name for the band. I never yeah, quite yeah. understood why they called it that. Like um, a take on Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, you know? more like that. Nagozi like family. family. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. Yeah. Some of these Zamrock records, so they were being influenced by James Brown and Jimi Hendrix and Black yeah. Sabbath Zamrock? and Grand Funk Zamrock, and man. all the yeah. popular right. bands of the day. But, you know, you, you heard that song, which is from 77, and there weren't a lot of bands that sounded like that in 77 no, in the uh, English you know, in, in Europe and America. Well, it sounds a little more like a band from like 71. Early 70s sound. Yeah, they yeah, were right, obviously yeah. a little behind the times. Yeah, it sounded more like something from like 71. or something. That's pretty cool, though. I like that main yeah. riff. I think, oh, if those guys are all dead, I can just rip that riff off. And yeah, right. No one will sue me, right? <laughs> well, we'll just call it Zamrock. <laughs> we'll just call it Zamrock. <laughs> Next time yeah. someone asks, like, hey, man, you know, what's like, what's the direction of the new album? The We're really into Zamrock. Yeah, yeah, we've been really into Zamrock lately. We took a couple Zambians and... Uh, Zambians. That's the name of that drug. I was remember we were here on with Austin talking about trying to sleep on planes. Uh, uh, I was like, I was like, what is that drug called that everyone was taking back in the so and so when I tried it on a plane? Mary Jane gave me. Oh, the Zambians. Yeah. And you know, I was like, Ambien. That was the name of that drug. Yeah. And I never would have thought of that until when they were talking about Zambian. Ambien. <laughs> Ambien. Remember, everyone was taking Ambien all the time. Yeah. Zambians, bro. Yeah. Got some Zambian yeah, Ambien, man. That's the best, man. <laughs> Took some Zambies, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, uh, <clears throat> Mike mentioned our our friend Austin. We uh, have a oh, new drummer. Oh, yeah. We have another drummer. Our previous drummer um, died of COVID. And so oh, now we had to get another drummer. <clears throat> and Your previous he's... drummer died from COVID, huh? <laughs> COVID, God, that's COVID a terribly, a terribly uh, tasteless joke, Adrian, but it didn't, it didn't Is it happen. too early? <laughs> it's not about earlier. I don't care what you say, man. Right now. No, that didn't happen. He exploded. Too soon. He exploded, you know, in between, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, backstage, you know, when he was set on exactly. his drumstool. He exactly. exploded in between yeah. the Delta and the Omicron. Yeah, somewhere out there Some- in the, in the uh, whatever you just said. Yeah. <laughs> Metal detectorist. So yeah, so we have a new drummer. Yeah, his name's yeah, Austin. Yeah. He's, uh, he's great. He's totally badass. Uh, we can't wait to... Uh, to go put, him, put him on and stage and we can see him. We actually, uh, Rob. You know what we're gonna do? We, we, you know, obviously with 
uh, with Austin and, and, and Angelo. Of we're course. gonna play shows. We're gonna play. No, we're gonna we're gonna play with uh, um, in Chicago in May with. Uh, Nasty Savage. No, well, not yeah. Nasty Savage is going to be there, but also uh, maybe you already know this, but the, the the rods, the rods. Yeah, yeah. Ah, the rods. Did you know that 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 they're playing that show? I think I saw the flyer for that show at the Legions of Metal in yeah, 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 Chicago right. in July. So that should be July. Fun. Yeah, it's in July. July. Uh, no, it's in. Man. Yeah, those guys are getting old. Yeah, they probably are. Well, you know those 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 true metal festivals, and you. Well, it's not really a true metal festival, actually. Nasty Savage and and the Rods aren't true metal. They're like weird, kind of alt metal, strange, almost like. Stri- Both those bands have weird sexual undertones, right? Like, I don't know. The Rods are like auto asphyxiation, like like. You know, like like fetish stuff, and that and album that Nasty that Savage have, is kind of weird songs. that way too, aren't they? I don't know Nasty Savage. Isn't there something? Yeah, weird? yeah, Nasty Savage always put a good show on. I've seen videos of theirs. Uh, so have I. Yeah, Nasty I Ronnie, because Nasty Ronnie was a pro wrestler. Nasty Ronnie. Yeah, Nasty yeah, Ronnie yeah, was yeah, a pro Ronnie, wrestler. Yeah. Really, the wrestling connection. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, awesome. Awesome. Well, wait, is Nasty Ronnie going to be there? Or is that like, I don't know if it's just like... Well, that's his band. Nasty Savage is his well, no, band. I, I figured it was, but sometimes, you know, they replace all the members and have one guy on drums, or, you know, all that kind of shit. That's well, you can't replace Nasty Ronnie. I, I, I mean, doubt it. Yeah, nobody no. else is going to smash a TV over their head. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully it'll be everything. It's uh, He smashes your, a TV your, your over his yeah, own head? Yeah, Nasty Ronnie. I'll remember his nasty. I don't remember that, but... I saw. I never saw him live. That's pretty awesome. He, he he smashes a TV over his own head. That's pretty cool. He's kind of like Thor. You know? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he might be getting a little old for that now, but I know he's done it before. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Anyway, that show is going to be, yeah, The Rods and the Nasty Savage and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I don't know if, oh, God. Oh, well, Sanhedrin. Yeah, Le- Legions Sanhedrin is going to be there, yeah. Is Nasty, is that other Savage band with that, that chick who sings? Or what, uh, I don't know. What are they called? They play with us at that same place. Oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to be there. But, you um, know, they look like they look like uh, the mentors of the chicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never remember their name. They're Savage Master. Yeah, Savage Master. Savage it's almost Master. the same name, yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, they were they were at the last time we played that same place, Reggie's in Chicago. So. Were they really? Should be fun. Yeah, that's when we first saw them, maybe. I guess. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought we first saw them um, here. No, the, they, we played with them here like at the Parkside Park or something. Side after yeah. that, and I didn't realize they were playing until that was Manila Road, right? Was it Manila that Road? Was Manila Road, was us, it, them, uh, and who knows um, how what else? No, I don't know if it was Manila Road. I think it was the. Uh, um, I think it was Manila Road. No, it was Manila Road because I remember sitting with that. I can't remember her name, but the girl from Savage Master and me and Mark Sheldon sitting in that room above. In that, you know that apartment they have above there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You we might, were you sitting might be there, right, yeah. and Mark was just like he was, he was like kind of out of it in the corner, and then he woke up and was like, "Hey, hey!" Like in mid conversation, I remember he went like. Hey Mike, hey! Like he was sitting there staring. He didn't realize I was there. And then, and then that girl, whatever her name is, was sitting between us. I remember that we were making terrible jokes. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, whatever. Uh, Mark uh, Shelton stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, that whatever. Yeah, that's going on. I don't know how we got to that, but because uh, so, you, you mentioned the Zambians. Are you going to be de- debuting some new songs at the that uh, festival? No, uh, we haven't had time to write any new. Like, like we had to. You know, yeah, we haven't had any time got, in the past couple uh, of years. New drummer, and and we've been working out with him, and and luckily he's really a, he's really into like the drill, the heavy metal drill. You know, really into like playing the songs, which we are too, because we went for, for so long without playing. 
And then he's super into the repetition of just keep going here, keep playing the same song or or he, he doesn't wear out. So it's great to we have a lot of songs now we can do. And we actually have uh, a local show coming up in yeah, yeah. Uh, April, April fourteenth. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're gonna be really tight then with the new drummer. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Because That's we've been the, doing practices yeah. with Angelo on the weekends and then he's like got a job during the week so he can't come up. So then we have practices as a three piece also. Yeah, Angelo has week. a job, man. Angelo has a real job now where he can't come up on the weekdays, which sucks. He's a two hour drive. So he comes up on weekends. Weekends, and then during the week we practice the three of us we're practicing a lot it's really good uh but as a three-piece we practice once a week usually and so yeah a lot of repetition a lot of a lot of just nailing the i mean it's a big set too we got like 10 or 12 songs we can do now which are they you know they're not the easiest to learn so it's kind of it's been good we'll get some been, new stuff been, uh, eventually we have well we have know. some new ideas that we're that we sort of all know but there's not any they have not congealed into It'll songs get there. yet It'll, it'll get there when right. it when it happens, you know. It's got to happen organically. You know? Organically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to right. happen organically. We got to let it flow. We don't want we don't yeah. want to force the. Uh, you, you can't force the inspiration. When you, you force know? the inspiration, you end up with albums like uh, like Traveler, yeah. And <laughs> which by the that way, everyone likes because which, by the way, we're so celebrating the twentieth anniversary yeah, yeah, yeah. of Traveler. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. You got a new reissue of yeah, the, yeah. I'm the gonna vinyl be, of that. I'm going to be sending you one, Rob. All right. I got, I got a whole stack of stuff to send you. Well, you know, that the Traveler thing is, you know, I'm all down with the... with the. Uh, well, it's the 20th anniversary of a moment, momentous recording a in our moment, career. It wasn't a momentous recording. It was a momentous said. recording because no, we're still talking about it 20 years later. No, we're not talking about the recording. <laughs> what the hell do you remember? It was your first record with us. Do you even remember the recording? Probably not. You were there uh, yeah, for like yeah, one yeah. day and you kind of just did your thing. And no, we, no, I remember it was I fun. I got really um, frustrated with the budget, you know. Uh, Justin Weiss was like, we can't finish this record. It's too ambitious. We had to take Starport Blues, which was supposed to be on there, off of it. You right. remember? And then Greg had to go up on the roof of the studio and put a, a and hijack a, a satellite, uh, uh, a, a radar. Uh, what do you call it? A Sonar satellite dish to pay for to pay for to finish mixing the record. We ran out of on Traveler. We ran out of money because it was too ambitious, which it was. It never really got mixed the whole way. Uh, I mean, it sounds fine, but I didn't get to put down all the tracks I wanted to on it, so it sounds kind of weird in places. And and uh, Justin Weiss, the engineer, was totally nice. He contributed free time to it, but then he was like, uh, we really are running out of time. We're going over budget. So Greg <laughs> went on the roof and installed a, uh, a satellite dish for cable. You know, he hijacked it so that that Justin got free cable and put a satellite dish on top of the That's cool. place. And that paid an extra few, whatever, hundred bucks of, uh, <laughs> the, to finish mixing Traveler. So that's the momentous <laughs> occasion. That was the end of the process. Yeah, the beginning of it was... cable if we get another couple of days of mixing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the beginning of the record was me freaking out doing vocals on the day of 9-11, 2001. Which Sitting the whole there. story is recounted in is. the uh, yeah. the the insert, the custom insert with right. alternative artwork that is only available at slowfake.com. That's right. The raconteur, the recounteur, the recounteur. Recounteur. Uh, recounteur, yes. Speaking of recountering. Um, yeah, Rob. You, know, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Angelo, so uh, any news on a uh, new material from the Tomb Weavers? Well, they did. They've been practicing. I don't He's know. He's been recording. They've been recording. Yeah, yeah they've been recording. So yeah, oh, okay. I, I would imagine they do yeah. have some uh, material coming in the pipeline. Well, I don't know, man. I don't think that they're going to really 
you know, I think Angelo needs to like turn on, man. Turn up. He needs to turn on. I mean, he's in a psych band, and he he hasn't really done any, you know, any like psilocybin or acid or or. You know, he's not into that stuff. Yeah, but to play psych music, you got to turn on, man. He's got to turn on, turn on, and then you got to drop out. Well, maybe. Well, he dropped out for a long time, so they think he's got that part. You know, (laughs) he's got that, and he's a pretty tuned in guy, man. But the problem is, he's not. He's you got to complete the triad there. He's got to turn turn on, man. And he hasn't really turned on, man. I mean, you know, like we've all turned on here. Well, I don't know, Rob, about you, but have you turned on? Yes. So you turned on, you understand psych, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I, that's, I think that's the big sort of stumbling. That's, that's, that's the last thing they got to do to get the Tomb Reavers really over the top as a psych band. Angelo's got to turn on. He's got to turn on. Because, you know, man. Bob Gamber, he, I mean, that guy is turned on, you know? Turns me I mean, on. I mean, tell me he hasn't turned on. You know, he turns you on, yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that guy must be turned on, you know? Keegan Skydecker, I think, probably, too, but... Anyway, we'll, we'll deal with that with Angela. We may have to dose him down one of these days when we're, you know, dose him down. Put a little micro dot in. in his knee high grape, whatever they call it. In, in his grape knee high. <laughs> you know, or in his uh, in gel his, cap. Throw a gel cap. Throw a gel cap in his Modelo or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So hey, Rob. Um, there's got you got a bunch of other stuff on here. I want to get to some of this. Um, Tell us about this purification, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's purification. Uh, Haji Murad. That's the uh, fourth song off of the Haji Detru- Murad, Destruction man. of the Wicked album. And they're a uh, uh, doom metal band from Portland, Oregon. It's uh, put out four albums in two years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's very rare for doom metal. Doom tends to not be that fast. It's not that uh, um, uh, efficient. Maybe they recorded like just two albums at like you know a normal speed, and then they just slowed them down, down, and it was long enough to be it was long enough to make for. You know, four records. <laughs> he slowed down is twice as long. Hey, there you go. We got plenty. They were of actually those. originally a thrash band, but they just. <laughs> well, listen to it and tell me if you believe that. The uh, record is on uh, Terror Execution Productions, TEP008. All right, purification.
monster's torn and twisted His heart is missing in blood Oh, why have I been chosen To bear a traitor's sign The omens turn to darkness
an adventure man that was awesome dude that was pretty cool so that was blue max march of the trolls yeah that was uh their album is called uh limited edition <laughs> the album is called and, limited. uh yeah. came out in 1977 canadian uh recorded in december 76 and that was the band's only record um from what i understand they, did, huh? the, uh, they were all teenagers pretty young and uh the original uh, vinyl of that is Solar Records, SAR 211. Yeah. And it was reissued later. And uh, yeah, I thought that would just be sort of a fun song because it's got all sorts of crazy stuff going on. That's I mean, weird. I don't even... Yeah, that's really weird. I Some love of that it, stuff man. is really, cool. really strange. Yeah. Yeah, those, it, if yeah. you think about it, it's kind of like, hey, we heard Vitor and the Snow Dog. Let's do our version of it. Hey, that's a, that's a you know that's a good comparison. What's that? It's a Rush song. Rush song, yeah. yeah. I don't know that song, but man, that's there's some really bizarre stuff. Like, what the hell are these guys thinking? Is what I was what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, there was some strange phrasing in there. So some... is the rest of the <laughs> album like that, or what's the rest of the album like? Uh, 
rest of the album is just good hard rock. That's sort of the, uh, the, the highlight track. of the album. It's the it, standout you know, track. I would call it uh, a proto like epic metal song, which is why I uh, wanted to play it on this show. Yeah, it definitely you know, is a the, proto epic. Yeah, there might be a lot of listeners in, or man. handful of listeners that never heard of Blue Max. Yeah, I've never uh, heard of Blue Max. I never heard of Blue Max. That was pretty intense, man. Yeah, no, I definitely want to hear. Did that I say song. anything <laughs> about the uh, purification? Well, uh, Har- Haji Murad is the name of that song, right? Like that—that's based on Tolstoy, I guess. Uh, the the book. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure what it's. Uh, that's based what Haji on. Murad it's, is. Uh, is a, sort of a, uh, one of Leo Tolstoy's uh, more obscure novels about uh, uh, war. You know about. Uh, uh, um, well, where's Haji Murad? That's, uh, I mean, obviously it's Middle Eastern, but I think, I can't remember whether that is someone from, uh, Tolstoy wrote a book called Haji Murad about a, a uh, soldier from, um, I'm trying to think of what country it was. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but. No, somebody out there will figure it out. A doom band from Portland, Oregon, and, uh. I came across them a few years ago and really liked their stuff. And that's one of the better songs. So actually, I like all of their albums so far that I've heard. So that was just a random pick. It's uh, pretty cool. It does, it does kind of sound old. like it's slowed down. It's it like does it's, sound like it's slowed like down. It's, like it's running on a really slow record that's player. Damn, it's slowed down. Yeah, but, but it yeah, sounds like it actually was recorded. Out. 2019 on Terror Execution Produ- Productions out of China. Uh, they did China? A really nice they got on a Chinese yeah, label? Yeah, a really nice uh, vinyl version of it. And uh, I think the second album also came out on vinyl, and then the, all of the albums are out on CD, too. Are you serious that uh, the label is out of China? Yeah, I was going to say. I don't when have you ever heard of a Chinese label? A for Chinese any- vinyl label? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of them. I mean... There's small labels everywhere, but yeah, it's, it's a true. I guess relatively new thing for there to be underground metal labels from China. Well, I never even heard of an underground band from China. I mean, Japan, there China, are some. China, like I didn't even know. Like I didn't know what we, you could really publish or get away with in China. Uh, you know, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't come this far. It stays behind that curtain, man. I guess I don't. I don't know. That's pretty cool, though. Definitely, uh, but so they're from Portland on a Chinese label. That's really yeah. Weird. Wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess if someone's going to put it out, right? Yeah. Exactly. The uh, from what I understand, the you know the the label loves the band, and so they worked with them. Uh, I've uh, exchanged messages with the vocalist of Purification. Really, really nice guy, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, cool. he's told me some of the backstory about the band. He's originally from Texas and relocated to Portland, I think, five. Well, that was a few years ago, so he's probably been up there for like seven years yeah, now. Yeah, a lot of people have done that uh, for, for obvious yeah, exactly. reasons. There's a lot of music a lot of people there. Around yeah, to there's a lot of music. Yeah, there's a lot of recording uh, studios there, a lot of music, and it's cheap to live up there compared to like here or something. Yeah. Cheaper, <laughs> right? Yeah, although our, uh, Cheaper. everyone left San Francisco except for Slaufeg. Like, there's no, is there anyone like <laughs> who's not a techie here? I mean, this 
in this city. It's like we just like stay here. Like we got to stay here, man. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, man. It's I don't know, man. What's what's left here for like weirdo people like one us? Of, like, one of my friends told me. He said. Uh, he said I respect your commitment to the city. I know, and it's, I was uh, like, I guess I am committed, aren't I? That's an interesting. Uh, it depends on what you mean by committed, I guess. Huh? I mean, it depends. Oh here, yeah, being you know. committed. Because <laughs> it's. No, it's true. It's really fun. not moving out to like Hayward. But do you ever thought, well, I don't want to move to Hayward? But do you ever wants think to move about to Hayward. what? Nobody wants to I don't move want to, to Hayward. Hayward. No way. You, you could just, buy a house there. It's you, only you the just only, wind up there. You realize Hayward's one of the only places in the Bay Area you could actually afford a house. Yeah. It is really cheap in Hayward compared to everyone. And you, there's a reason why. You go yeah. there. I used to teach there. It was gnarly. But, but uh, you know, uh, I mean, people say, well, here's the thing. People said, someone said to me last night, or was it to whatever it was the, it was this weekend which i don't buy even though it's maybe in some way it's true they say well you should be an oakland man because when i walk down the street in oakland on like a saturday night there's so much more going on now than in san francisco there's like you know there's shows going on and there's bars everywhere and there's probably like, true what are you talking about no i walk down the street and on you know broadway or telegraph or whatever on a Friday night or Saturday night, I'm like, what the hell? Are you? It's like a ghost town over there. I'm serious, man. We, like, I mean, I don't know. When's the last time you walked down the street there on Saturday night? Um, <laughs> I like, I like Jack London Square. I yeah, but even a, down there, cooler, I mean, yeah. it's cool stuff, but it's not, it's not like it's all like popping and happening down there. It was you know? pretty bumping last weekend. It was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went down there. Okay. So it was pretty good. There was a lot of stuff going on. Like where? Jack, Jack London Square. You, uh, Merchant's Saloon. Okay, okay. And the Elbow well, that, Room. And there were several other places that were like, you, you know. You got that vibe over and yeah, over. They, okay. Yeah, play, there were several places that were, uh, you know, jumping and jiving. Well, maybe I got to go over to Oakland and hit the hot spots, you know. I don't know. I was only there for it's a been a while. Event, it's you know? been a while since I did that, since I walked down the street there trying to, hey, what's going on? I know, there? right? Maybe we should play over there. Well, I'm sure that'll happen soon. I'm enough, sure yeah. we will. But the, yeah, uh, the but last our, time we played was in Jack London Square. That was the ago. last time we played. February. Isn't it funny, Rob? You know what? You know what? There's something hilarious. Like, I will admit this on the air that that Slough doesn't have a large catalog of of sellouts. Shall we say a long list of sellouts? Like, I can count on one hand easily the time we've sold out a club, <laughs> which. Uh, I think it happened in England, which blew with Solstice at the garage, right? Which is a great place to sell out. And we did sell that out. Yeah, that was cool. Like years ago, which was very surprising to me. But then, right, isn't the last show we did in Jack London Square at the Albert? That was a sellout show. It was show. a sold out it show. It sold man. out. We were on, a, we were on like, the up and up. We were or... on a tear, man. Yeah. The fact that we really sucked right. that night. <laughs> we put on a shitty show. We were on a trajectory. We <laughs> and were we like, got up on stage and fell apart then immediately. We were, we were heading to the <laughs> but, top, man. Yeah, I know. We were heading to the top. And then COVID happened. Yeah. I mean, think about that, man. We actually sold out the elbow room. Took uh, the wind right out of my sail, man. I did. Well, I was actually pretty blown away by it that that show sold out. I was like, what? And it wasn't because it, the COVID was coming and there was a capacity uh, uh, a cap on it. No, it wasn't. But I was like, people can't get in. This show sold out. I mean, it was pretty packed in there. It, it wasn't it a was, huge. Yeah, I didn't you know, realize it until I went to the bathroom. I was like, wait a second, and man. I the came show back sold and out. There was a sign on the and door. And a lot of people I didn't know out. and who they were, whatever, you know. And uh, we had that new album out, and we'd been, 
it hadn't been out that long. We had just toured with Sanhedrin you for the record. Your came out in what, 2018? No, no I, guess, uh, I guess that means you've made it. No, but then we were, then COVID happened right yeah, after we that start show. all over again, man. <laughs> we started one show. We did, and the record was, it came out in the middle of the Sanhedrin tour. Like, while we were on in, like, Boston or something like that. I don't know. The album really? came out. Yeah. That day, you know, and then we sold some on the road. And I don't know. So oh, then we got yeah, some good... because th- Martin, Enrico what's his had name? To send us, he had to send us some... Yeah. ...that got, went to um, Erica's place, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to, yeah. And, and then there was a bunch of uh, press on it, like... Uh, and the big one we got was uh, Martin Hanford... Not Martin Hanford. Mar- what's that guy's name? Martin Popoff. <laughs> Called oh, yeah. it his album of the year on one of his... Uh, pot or TV show or something like that His or web list. internet show, and uh, we were getting offered all these festivals and everything and all this shit. And then COVID, and then we sold out the elbow room. We and sold out the store. elbow room, and man. then the we COVID. Were, we were on the up and up. And then COVID happened a month later, and it took the wind. Now out we got to start all over again, man. We got to make a demo. But most of the yeah, most of the festivals have come back now. Yeah, right. True. So we can't suck at those festivals, or else we will never. It kind of does blow to have a record that was like we were happy with, that was a long time coming, that was like, wow, this album's actually making a little bit of an impact. It was like four years between our last and album. And then five. And then, and then the, 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 now, does anybody remember? No. Al- is anybody going to remember the album? Or? No, they're just going to be like, when are you guys no, playing the They're going to what? What are they going to do? They're going to do, what did you say? <laughs> they're gonna be uh we want to hear songs from traveler yeah 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 they're gonna be like, gonna it's 20th anniversary of traveler man you guys gonna oh, play more traveler man. stuff oh, <laughs> hey well we're doing what we're doing three songs from trap two saw three two and a half or well come to the show and find out <laughs> you're asking yeah. me <laughs> well, yeah. you, can always, you can always uh play highway corsair yeah, or yeah. uh we could well some of the staples from the early days well the highway corsair now is um our friend brandon corsair uh yeah yeah. yeah you know he's that guy the, rob um, yeah i'm familiar with him yes he put out a he's putting out a zine called highway corsair i guess his i don't know what number it is but i just got a i saw it online there's a picture of the front of his zine it's called highway corsair i'm like that's kind of cool yeah brandon's a nice guy i know i know that i've been talking to him actually yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, so anyway, what uh, what else is going on here? What are we going to... Yeah, Rob, you got more stuff, man. I want to, like, l- hear more of this crazy music you sent. Uh, tell us about this Thrust. Okay, yeah, Thrust. That was a uh, Metal Blade Records classic from Chicago, 1984. The song is Heavier Than Hell from the Fist Held High record. All right, let's check total, it out. This is Thrust. classic.
episodes uh when you discuss the uh golden 90s and the resurgence of the uh term you know the power metal bands from europe yeah um when that was going on 
all I wanted to hear was songs like Igniter, Metal Rain, or Thrust, Heavier Than Hell. Why? Because you mean uh, because the power metal is so cheesy and poppy and can't saccharine or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to me, when I think of power metal, I think of bands like that from the 80s yeah, and yeah, the late yeah, 90s yeah. that were uh, really powerful. They're kicking yeah, it the out, Yeah, the term powered metal never really had a very consistent application. Like, I don't... I heard that yeah. term first in, like, the very early 80s, and it didn't seem to mean anything. I... I think I said so many bands were called power metal when they were like on different genres. Yeah, I don't. Well, I heard of it just like, um, was some. It wasn't even like in a magazine. It was just some guy, you know, who lived down the street from me talking about how like when when uh, Paul Diano left Iron Maiden, uh, got. I guess he quit. He didn't get kicked out. But he was saying, uh, and I was asking, why did that guy leave or something like that? This kid was like, oh, because he wanted to play power metal. And I was like, I mean, this is this, this was after he'd left. It wasn't like in '81 or whatever. You know, it was in like '83 or something like that. You know, and yeah. he was like power metal. I was like, well, what's power metal? And he was like, oh, you know, like Motorhead. Like that's more like power metal. You know, <laughs> which, which, like, what? And you know, at the what? time, I just took it for whatever. But then, okay, so he meant power metal meant like Motorhead, and then. Which I thought at the time it kind of made sense that he said that at least it was like oh stuff that's just pure power there's no real musicality it's just all you know it's pure like driving force instead of like made and having all these like harmonies. See when I was that age I thought Motorhead was speed metal. Yeah I don't yeah I I don't know power metal power metal was a term how the the tags don't mean anything and they don't really mean a lot uh, as the the years go by. I think power metal was kind of bandied about in different magazines like like Cream and Circus and stuff like that. Yeah Yeah, that was something that nothing. I mean, but yeah, yeah they, I mean, whatever the guy band the author like, felt like making it mean, you know? Any new, like, hard rock band, they would be like, this is their new power metal album. Oh, wait, wait, really? Oh, dude, there was all of the magazines were calling everything. I maybe mean, that's I, why that guy said that, because they called Motorhead, maybe they called Motorhead Power Metal. They, they probably, I used to read all that stuff. I used to. Yeah, he, this guy who said circus. that to me was reading a lot more of that stuff than I was. He was like reading Circus and Kerrang! Hit Parader, <laughs> Cream, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, because, because yeah. I mean, uh, my, uh, my sister's boyfriends would um would bring that stuff over and you know yeah, they, they yeah, would yeah. have like old issues from like last yeah. year no same here. that's all i ever find you know? I and i'd be like it. wow I I, yeah i couldn't wasn't gonna spend my money on magazines man spend my money the only on thing i ever games. read about in like circus or whatever was billy squire <laughs> like i was into billy squire like right before i got into metal for some reason i thought billy squire was like the, the shit you know because he was cool man he was cool and he had cool videos and songs and stuff and it and i was like out before this don't is mess be- with the stroke this is before rock me tonight uh, and uh, i was like wow man and I, I read i got some old uh issue of hand me down circus. copy and, or it was hip right i don't know which one it was yeah. and billy squire talked about all the things he would have like the ways he would try to innovate trashing hotel rooms because everyone had done it already before <laughs> So he would like seal up the windows <laughs> and the doors with some kind of like caulking stuff <laughs> and turn the, 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 all the taps on in the bathroom like full blast and like jump out the window and then caulk it from the outside. I don't, some of that you try to like fill it up so that like when the guy, <laughs> up. when like, when like the, uh, the maid or whatever walked in, it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember that's all I remember about that. But, but, uh, I didn't read it myself. I didn't hear about power metal, but some others like, there was a lot of terms back then 
like death metal that have been used for the last 25 years totally differently than they were. People talked about death metal in the 80s, but it didn't mean what we know of as death metal now. Slayer yeah, was exactly. People called Slayer yeah, death Slayer metal. Yeah, Slayer was death metal. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then we talked about this before in this show, how like speedcore was a thing. Speed like on the East Coast, like thrash metal. Like I was in a band, Heart of Darkness, that played like, you know, we were we came out of the hardcore scene, but we played sort of metal riffs, but like with like screaming over them. And I was the screamer. Uh, and uh, But the, the riffs were like total like, you know, kind of like Venom or Slayer or something. But we were called Speedcore by, by certain people, you know. I believe you, Mike. Uh, and then there was, yeah, Speedcore was basically, yeah, what ended up being called Speed Metal or what, I don't know. We should say it for like, what's your band? What kind of music is it? It's speedcore. You know, like I've been telling people we and play then the word acid thrash rock. meant everything, you know. I've yeah. been telling people lately we play acid rock. Acid rock is a good one. Yeah, we play acid rock. Because I've been uh, uh I have a You've been turning relatively on. new job and uh Oh they don't they ask it. Yeah, and I'm like it's acid rock, man. And they're like, Really cool. Well not not till Angelo turns on. <laughs> yeah, he's gotta turn on for it to be real acid rock, man. Well the word acid rock actually um it's like the, the doors. Turn, well, people now now the first thing you hear of is the doors, which doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense because they're not they're like kind of yeah. blues, you know. But but they were so whacked out on dope. Well, everyone was back. Why why the doors any more than like anybody else? I like guess Jimi were, Hendrix is what I think of when I think of acid rock. But the doors uh, were definitely yeah, called true. acid rock. Yeah, and I read a book when I was a teenager that described Black Sabbath as acid rock, which they basically were. I could you know, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Deep purple, sure. you know. It's, it's a period acid rock, but. There's this guy, okay, people who don't know a lot about what's going, about rock music, really. People who aren't turn, tuned in. Tarned on. Yeah, they, they kind of they call, like, this one guy who lived <laughs> above me in the 90s. Uh, he's just this guy, you know, he lived above me, and he had, like, this, you know, he had, like, kids and stuff, and he was, I don't know, he was kind of funny and pretty cool. Remember the big man? Remember that guy? I lived upstairs? Huge guy, you know. He used, to, he used to be, like, he used to hear us playing music downstairs, and he'd be like, Oh man, you listen to that acid rock again? <laughs> He'd be like, "Is that the music you play?" And I said, "Well, we play like kind of heavy, loud stuff." And he goes, "You mean like acid rock?" Yeah. And he just he just thought of it as acid rock, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I love, know. I love telling people. We I think play there was a time rock. when people called heavy, like in the seventies, people called heavy metal what the what heavy rock was called acid rock by certain I guess. people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool when you get these old school names like that, Speedcore, Acid Rock, and you can use them now to like describe you. They're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, <laughs> like I'm trying to think yeah. of other like 70s and 80s types of like hard rock that are never talked about anymore. You know, like uh, now that I try, I can't. I can't yeah, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. I'm gonna start saying that though. Like, we're Acid Rock. We kind of are Acid Rock. I've been way. telling people that for Some of like our records sound years. like acid rock. You know? Yeah. Animal Spirits is kind of an acid New album. The new album's kind of an acid, acid rock. rock. Yeah, it kind of is acid yeah. rock. Mid-tempo, kind of fuzzy sounding, you know, like a <laughs> weird kind of stuff. Yeah. It's got a real uh, real live production quality to yeah. it. Yeah, you know? it's definitely acid rock, yeah. Okay, well then from now on, we got to say that like, when we get to play these, when we play <laughs> in Chicago. All right, you guys ready to hear some acid rock, rock man? a sticker on the... Yeah, a sticker on the release that just says yeah. that. It's a, yeah. a, a hype sticker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think, okay, I'll, yeah, you got to say, admit this. I think. Uh, the rods. The rods are acid rock the for rods. sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we played, did we play, I think we played some of their stuff. Yeah, we did. On, on yeah. this show. I wouldn't be before. surprised if this book talks about acid rock. 
Yeah, so... Um, so you got the rock music, The Truth About Rock Music by Hugh Pyle. Hugh Pyle, Hugh yes. Pyle right here. The Truth yeah. About Rock Music. It's a so, Christian, <clears throat> Swords of the Lord Publishers. Dude, I love that There's name. There's some great quotes so, in here. There's, that book is amazing. I so, just read part of it that talks about yeah. like... Uh, how like uh, so, Rob? Know, I um I found some of these weird books online about this guy. You bought who, this? Yeah, I bought oh, it. I paid man. like four dollars for that. It's steam from fleshy lusts, which war against the soul. That's that's a that's a biblical quote that, <laughs> Fantastic, that man. definitely uh, give up to Satan's music. But go ahead. There's a that, so I, I found even these, soft rock. These wow. religious books online that tell you even about soft like, rock, soft rock and country. They say. Oh, sorry. One of the things that he even, talks about even in there, Juice Newton is a Satanist. You know, he says he <laughs> says that you um, that band music is designed to sell people merch. Ba- oh, he's right. Oh my God, maybe band music. That's one of the things he says in there, and I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, these weird religious uh, books that I found online, uh, and that he talks about. He has another book about drugs. He's got a book just about booze and women. And oh, that's cool. And like to how separate it into booze and women. And it was just one, one, it's just one. He has got a one book. It's, it's a booze small, and women are in the same category. They're in the they're same like, category. They're both legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but they're, they're both you know, things you're traditionally allowed to do. But they're going to both lead you down the wrong yeah. path. It's funny. There's one on drugs and one on booze and women. The yeah. women one goes with booze. Yeah, not with drugs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. it's hilarious. Well, it's not against man. the law to, to like you know have a woman or to have a beer. You know. By its very beaten sound, rock has always rejected restraints, celebrated freedom and sexuality. It induces a state of moral oblivion. Moral oblivion. The beat of rock encourages a feeling of abandonment and a shedding of inhibitions. Yeah. So, so if you look at Romans two twelve two, God commands believers not to be conf- not okay. Be not conformed to this world. Wait, that sounds like a rock and roll statement, man. It's totally be rock not conform to the world. That's what, like, you know, this Elvis Presley. Good writer. You know, that's what Jerry Lee Lewis would tell you. This guy's a good writer. He's got some awesome stuff. That In Ezekiel twenty two twenty six, God condemns the priests who violate His law and profane His holy things by saying they have put differences between the holy and the profane. These are Judas Priest lyrics, man. What's this guy <laughs> talking about, man? <laughs> Condemn the priest. You know what the. Teens can become just as addicted to Christian rock and other cheap religious music cheap and the acid <laughs> stuff. And the acid stuff. There it is. Acid rock. There we did is. not know this was in here. Many teens have grudgingly given up worldly rock. Worldly rock. That's what we play, worldly rock. Replacing it with the same beat tempos of Christian rock. They like it because it still speaks pleasingly to the flesh. Speaking to Into the, the flesh. flesh. Into the flesh, Rob. As coined by Relic. Remember Relic? Their album. Relic. Into the Flesh. Is your master. Nasty little schoolgirls. That was the Into the Flesh lyrics. And Rob gave me that record. Worldly Rock. Worldly Rock speaks pleasingly to the flesh. Oh my God. And its shallow message doesn't cramp their world loving style. They transfer the worship owed to Christ to concert hopping, money money hungry entertainers who have. Uh, who have never left the world far enough behind to stop sounding like it, meaning what they're talking about is Christian rock is also a sin here. It is. So you yeah. shouldn't listen to Petra either. Because you, know, you, you can't... Remember you Petra, can't, Rob? You can't put that... Oh, yeah. You can't put those same I like types. some Christian rock. There's yeah, some good pretty cool ones, stuff. But, yeah. uh, I wouldn't classify Petra as one of them. No, they're not good, but they're Christian rock. You can't rock. just put 
use the same satanic music and change the words and call it Christian rock. No, he rock. still has the it, satanic beat behind it's got, it. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. that beat of the devil. And that's the fool. Yeah, that's the, the devil. You come become fooled that way. You think that you change the words to, oh, I love Jesus, I love Christ, you I love a my mother. Of flesh. I you become a victim of the flesh regardless. You become a victim of the flesh. You go into the flesh with relic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, and we, you, if you read this book, uh, you can read more by Danny Sweet. Or is it Danny? Or is it Danny? No, it's, I'm sorry. It's Danny Sweat. Ooh, that's even Danny Sweat is a noted gospel singer. That's Sweat with two T's. S W E A T T. Danny Sweat. <laughs> that's pretty disgusting. I that's, that, nasty, that's a nasty dude. name. Yeah, yeah. Danny Sweat. <laughs> That guy's a oh, oh man. That God. sounds like some horrible like like uh, punk singer, pop punk or something. Yeah, like, yeah, some sort of punk Danny singer Sweat. from the '70s. Yeah, it sounds like some guy who would hang out with like uh, with the germs. Who would hang out with like uh, what's that basketball diaries guy or one of those guys or 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 uh, what's the guy's name who did that movie? Who's like apparently the founder of punk in New York? Who looks like some normal guy with a suit jacket? What is his name? Hilly um, uh, Richard. Wait. Richard Hell. Oh yeah, Richard yeah, yeah. Hell definitely would hang out with Danny Sweat, you know, <laughs> and maybe he would probably hang out with uh, that guy from Chicago who produced Bible of the Devil. Also, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Mike Mike Lust. <laughs> Mike Lust. <laughs> Mike Lust, we, Mike Lust oh, is some producer guy in Chicago. Uh, you know, engineer guy produces records for our friends, and he calls himself Mike Lust. You know, it's obviously a takeoff. Like Mike Sweat, Love though. from the the the, the yeah uh, from the Beach Boys. <laughs> Beach Boys, Danny Sweat and Mike Lust. Oh, oh man, Danny that's, Sweat. That's pretty gross. Yeah, nasty. I anyway, guess you could also be a, a rapper. Singer. Yeah, you could also be a rapper. Danny oh yeah, Sweat. Danny Sweat. You'd be up right right there with Earl uh, Sweatshirt and and oh, Action a, Bronson. There's Action a, Bronson. There's yeah. Keith Sweat. Keith Sweat. Keith Sweat. He's actually You know, Rob, funny. did you know that Action Bronson played right around the corner at the Warfield, right from our... Do you know who that is? No, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. And that's no, why we like you, Rob. Well, yeah, we, yeah. We, we were going to practice, and there was no parking, as usual, when there's some big event. And it was because we went over and looked at the marquee at, at uh, the Warfield, which is less than a block away from where we are right now. And it was uh, Action Bronson. Performing with Earl Sweatshirt. Earl yeah. Sweatshirt. <laughs> and there was yeah. a line down the yeah, street. Yeah, there was a line man. down the block. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Action Bronson. He's a rapper, Bronson. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know him from his TV show, but uh, only after uh, Austin clarified what he was going on. He has a TV on. show? Yeah, he's got some. He's got like a cooking show. We're well, not a cooking, more like an eating show where like he goes what? to he goes really? to like different towns and like, you know, eats all like this gourmet food. He's like a foodie rapper kind yeah. of guy. You know, people like make money on the stupidest shit now. It's unbelievable. Like I got some guy going around to restaurants. I mean, that's that's kind of neat, but you know, he's probably is he very interesting to watch or is no, he just some he's annoying. He just some like piece of crap like yeah. annoying rapper guy. Yeah. What what is he like? Does he like He's a white guy. He's a chubby he's, he's a chubby big, pasty chubby, white like, guy. White with guy a beard. who talks like you know Ebonics and goes into like yeah. goes in, he's oh yo I'm going to try this out, man. Yeah, this, not this that not, not that bad, but <laughs> I mean, they, they they him and his buddy smoke a bunch of weed and go and go around eating. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it could be that's probably pretty boring, yeah. It's but, it's pretty boring. I, I've yeah, seen yeah. I I've seen some of it and changed the channel. And then when Austin told me like that was the guy that was playing at the Warfield, and I was like, all those people are lined up for that. That guy, yeah. Well, that's the problem oh, these days. You can man. sell anything, you know. 
Yeah, you can say pretty much. I feel like for the last 15, 20 years, uh, the way that the way the media, the way the music media works, the way all the media works, you could pretty much take some like fat slob next door to your house who sits on the couch eating Cheetos and watching, you know, and playing video games all day, who just like, yeah, hey, how you doing, Earl? You know. <laughs> hey, what's up, bro? You know, and, and you could make him a big star. You can make him a star. You could put him on you stage or put him, him on a stars. record and have him just say what he says, like, I like eating Cheetos and playing Xbox. Yo, what's up? You know, Auto tune and you could yeah, and make and you could make him a big hit star. Yeah. You pretty much could make a guy like that a star, like anyone yeah. these days. Like, you know, that's basically what you're seeing on all these reality shows. So the thing is, why would you watch a reality show where you could just knock on your next door neighbors? door and see some fucking crud bag just be like what do you want man what are you doing that's I mean that's what people like love watching that on tv you know that's why i still live in san francisco because it's a reality show I'd step out the door and it's a reality show every day what's that way anywhere man i mean you know but i, I don't know i don't know I, I have some pretty entertaining neighbors these days well not neighbors well, i uh, get i hope so people yeah, in yeah. my neighborhood i guess yeah well okay anyway in the uh, since we're not hanging out with Action Bronson right now, we should try to get him on this show just because we said that. He probably wouldn't do it. He's probably too famous. I don't know, maybe. You never know. We you never know. know. You never know. Maybe he's going to... Well, how long, is this, how long do you think his career is going to last? He's going to be like, I love San Francisco. In three, in three years, do you think we're going we're gonna to know about Action Bronson? Or I, didn't even, I, I don't even know about Action Bronson I know, now. Well, apparently you do. You've seen his TV show. Yeah, but I didn't know what his name was. I didn't know anything about him until yeah, till, till you said he was playing next door or whatever, and I went over yeah. and looked at the marquee. You know, But, uh, <laughs> but like... He's going to be, I bet you in five years, he'll be nobody, right? Or no, he'll probably have some food. He'll probably own a restaurant. I hope he saves his money. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but then we could probably get him in a few years. Well, who was big four or five years ago like that, who we could probably find now to be on this show? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. (laughs) You can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Forgot them already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) What, like Third Eye Blind or something like that? Oh, God. Who's that? Wait, were they local or were they... I don't know. That's another weird thing. When like a big local band, when they make it big, you don't always know about it because you're hearing their name all the time anyway. We should get the guy from Toad the Wet Sprocket. Who's that? I don't know. They're yeah, like yeah. some band from the well, 90s. Some of these bands around here that were like in the 90s were like playing all over the place and you yeah, heard about them. Yeah, that's what I mean. And then they got really big nationally. I didn't realize it because people still talked about like Cake. Remember Cake? Oh, Cake was huge, man. No, I know, but Cake yeah. was a local band that played, like, I never played with them, but they would play shows that I would go to with my friends' bands at, like, uh, you know, there'd be, like, 50 people there down at Paradise Lounge. And they go, oh, yeah, you got to stay around and see Cake. So I'd stick around and be like, oh, this is terrible. You know, I, mean, I personally thought it was really bad. And and then when they made it really big, like, Justin was like, oh, I'm recording Cake next week. I thought, oh, yeah, whatever. He's like, no, no, they have, like, they have a gold album now. Like, this album went gold, or I eventually the album yeah, went gold. Yeah. And I was like... Wait, he has that album on his. It was at you know he recorded them and they went gold and I was like, wait what? They're like big and he's like, yeah. What do you mean you haven't heard? I was like, yeah, I heard of them around here as a local band, but I had no idea that. Yeah, that they were like international or know, anything you know, national international. Like a really good example is Reverend Horton Heat. You know that guy's really big, right? I mean, he was really huge, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen him and he's pretty good. Because I, good when life. I first got here in 1990, I slept on a couch at my friend's house you slept on Heath Street. Reverend Horton Heat. No, I well yeah, I no I did I slept. <laughs> In this dude's house, and he was like, the night with the devil. No, and he was like, I, I got up, and he's like, oh, hey, this is the Reverend. And it was just this guy who was like 15 years older than me, right, with a, with a pompadour. Super nice guy. Like, really, really cool dude. He was like, how you doing, buddy? 
hey, you want to help me take these trash, this trash down the stairs? You know, when I stay at a place, I like to do some. And he was staying at this guy's house where I was staying for a few. And he was just this dude who had this rockabilly band. And I met the whole bit. The whole band was sleeping in there in that place. Or two of them were right. Really nice guys. And I just thought, oh, he's just some guy who played. And they're like, well, they're playing like a couple nights at the at the uh, I Beam, like it's just this club down the street. You know, they were from South somewhere, and I went down. I saw them. There was like fifty people there. You know. And really cool. And then they came back again. And I, and you know, I hung out with them again, just like in a bar car, like the gold came. We were all over there and the Reverend was there. And I, I do remember that I thought he was super cool and he was a good guitar player. But then years later, like maybe like five years later, I'd heard his name around. That's it. I heard his name around and I had no idea. And I was like watching MTV at someone's house and there was the Reverend. And there was he like, was. I was like, dude, that's the Reverend, oh, man. man like awesome. I used to know that guy. And they're like, you knew that guy? He's been huge for like the last three years. I was like, what? You know, because you just, do, you can't, when yeah. you live somewhere where you meet all these music, you don't really know. He's like some random skag. You didn't hear right? about it. And then you don't hear about them because you're not really tuned. I didn't have MTV. I wasn't tuned in to like what was going on. You well, know? Yeah, he was, he must have been big in Japan, right? Yeah, or China. Saying. Maybe he was on a Chinese label. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I guess he got really big, but I didn't even know it because I was used to hearing about him from like friends and people locally. He was really good. I'll say that. Uh, when I but, saw him play, he was great. Yeah, yeah, but I, the point is, I couldn't. Fantastic. I had no idea that he. I kept hearing his name, but I thought it was just local stuff. But apparently, I was hearing his name because he was gigantic, and I didn't know in nationally. Yeah, exploded. Anyway, he yeah. broke out, man. Anyway, whatever. You can't always tell, so maybe. Well, whatever. Okay, so what are we going to listen to now? Um, we've got. Um, let's see. This next track you have here, Rob, is uh, this Thin Lizzy track. Uh, talk to me about this. this is one. Our last song. Yeah, well, you're on a Thin Lizzy kick. You said. Oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, 1969 rock, recorded January 16th, 1973. It's a. Uh, prototype version of the hero and the madman from the uh, vagabonds of the western world we like a prototype version like it's like an early take like of that or something man. well it's actually you can tell when you if you compare hero and the madman and that that they the took voiceover. some of the song structure and the lyrics and recycled them when they actually finished the song this okay. is like a demo early version of it so but does it have the voiceover by that guy by that bbc guy or whatever I guess not. Well, listen and find okay, out. Cause Hello there. I'm Eric Bell out of Thin Lizzy. The first number we're going to play tonight is 1969 Rock. I hope you really dig it.
was pretty awesome. That's that a lot better than the. Why the hell didn't they use that version? As I want to know. That's a very good question. Isn't that way yeah, that, better? That than song that is out of a uh, box set that came out in 2020 called uh, Rock Legends. And, <laughs> Rock Legends. Uh, it's a yeah, pretty I, amazing I box that. set with uh, uh, six CDs and a DVD. And almost all of it is either uh, like demo versions single edits or uh, radio broadcasts. And then there's a Chinatown tour concert. Um, cool. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you get to hear a lot of alternate takes of songs that are part of their normal catalog. And then, of course, there's songs like that one that's almost completely in- indistinguishable from the... Uh, uh, the version that made it on the album. Oh yeah, I had nothing to do with it, but it's better. It's so good. That's like right. if that was on Vagabonds from the Western World, it would be one of the best songs on it. It's like well, the the lyrics at the beginning made it into uh, yeah, yeah. There's some the hero of the Madman. Yeah, like there's... part of it, but it was like rewritten and everything was, you know. Phil was a poet, so he just took <laughs> his lyrics and uh, was continuing to work on them and they made it another song did but, you notice uh, yeah. what he was playing what eric bell was playing at the beginning he's playing doctor who you pick oh, up yeah, on that? he's totally playing that riff <laughs> did you notice that rob you didn't yeah, notice i never that? even noticed that no when he's going he played the doctor who it's theme. the same riff from no. the pinball machine too no it's yeah well yeah it's the theme yeah, yeah it's the doctor who theme yeah he was playing that at the beginning right. that was incredible yeah he's doing a total riff off yeah a riff off yeah riff eric, off, eric bell man. is so great i always thought he was the best guitar player for that band and never one ever agreed with me i was like no man when he had eric bell they were awesome and he was fucking awesome because people always talk shit about yeah eric i'm bell. a i'm a Probably that's my favorite era. Oh yeah, also Vagabonds is the best uh, era. Did yeah, it's great. You know we have a history with Eric Bell. I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast before. I probably haven't. In uh, yeah, there's an extensive talk about this in in one of the other episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, all right, on and on. We should do we should do Sweden Rock again. That was a good. That was we should do Sweden Rock. Yeah, that was a good festival. Yeah, it was cool. It's awesome. Like that was like the biggest stage we ever played. Well, yeah, it was. But I just wish we could have had more fun with it. You know, not getting locked in the van and stuff and all that. You know. Yeah, well, high you security know. festival, man. Anyway, we had a we had a good house that we stayed in like the night that before. Cool. Yeah, we yeah, stayed yeah. in like a really. Nice I just feel house. like it was more fun playing. I mean, I, I guess I'd love to do that again. I felt like it was more fun playing the smaller festivals because you get to hang out more. You don't get to hang out much, you know. Besides with rock stars, you know, that wasn't that interesting though, really. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I like playing the. The bigger festivals because the sound is always better. The sound and, is better, yeah. And I think it's um, more high profile, man. Yeah. Well, not only high profile, but like the the lights look good, the stages are big, the sa- everything sounds. I enjoyed good on playing the stage, that festival. You know? I enjoyed the show a lot, but the rest of it wasn't very interesting because it was like it was so sterile. Hey man, you know? twenty three hours in a day, one hour on stage. Uh, yeah, Deal but there's been it, better. Pal. No, but see, that's the thing. You play muscle rock. And there's like a fraction of the people there, right? But it's the most fun time when you're off stage. You're having a blast. Yeah, it's true. You're hanging out with everybody from all those different countries, and it's 
you're out in the tent area. I wonder if silly shit going year, on. Man. People are running around with bottles of buck fast and stuff. It's really fun, you know. You get to stay in Tal Glanton, you know. Tal Glanton. Really fun time. Okay, Rob. Well, uh, thanks for providing us with some was awesome uh, fantastic music, of um, stuff, As man. We uh, do you uh, have any current doomed planet? Promotions you want to plug out? something while you're here? Yeah, man. you wanna you wanna. Well, he said well, I, I was just gonna say, you know, I I sort of made selections based on uh, there's like a diverse, uh, you know, you play punk, you play Thin Lizzy, you play metal, you play stuff from the gold '90s, and I tried to uh, fill in yeah. some gaps. Or, like, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, what's the sweetest song? The listeners haven't heard yet, you know. So, but yeah, there's not a lot to plug with my label. Not nothing's happening. It's pretty much over. But yeah, I had man. my run. Okay, and, uh, so how about how about uh, bands that are current, up and coming that since you, you have your want... pul- your hand on the your finger on the pulse yeah, of the underground yeah, metal scene, like, obviously. Like what's what's like what's, a, like what's going a hot, on, man? Who's hot? hot? Yeah, who's a hot new <laughs> band that you're like, man? You know, if you're looking yeah, at yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know what's hot, but there's <laughs> definitely newer bands that I like a lot. Like uh, Vultures Vengeance is one of them. Vultures out of Vengeance. Oh, aren't they on Cruise Vultures Del Sur? Vengeance. They're they're on Cruise Del Sur. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, to check that out. Yeah, yeah I have. We, in fact, I think we have one of their CDs in that pile over oh, there. Oh man! Yeah, um, yeah, because they're kind of you know they they harken back to that like manly metal sort of sound that we're looking for. <laughs> the, uh, the manly metal sound. <laughs> I like how it sounds manly I mean, metal. Uh, I like how he lumps us all no together. Frills, no Please. frills. It's like we're all looking for some manly, manly metal. <laughs> Metal by men for men. <laughs> oh God, damn! Oh, man. Whoa, is, is that like ma- Mandator? Are they in there? Are they manly metal? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mandator, man, 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 yeah, right. metal. It. Little, uh, um, uh, uh, what is it called? What are they called? Velocity. Uh, what is the Mandator album called again? <laughs> No, there's two albums. What's the uh, first one called? Perfect Progeny and yeah. Initial Velocity. Initial Velocity. <laughs> that just sounds pretty... Uh, that's your oh, mandate man. for metal, man. Manly metal. Manly right. metal. So, wait, you're calling Vultures... What are they? Vultures like? Vengeance. They're manly metal? It's, Is that it? Yeah. Uh, it's got a really old school production, really... Uh, uh, sounds like power metal to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Kind of got the Broke's Helm production. Uh, uh, Broke's Helm is definitely Thunder. manly metal. Yeah, they're definitely <laughs> they're true. They may not be true metal, but they're true man. You know, they're yeah. We actually have uh, a oh, Vulture's Vengeance it? Wait, CD. It's called the Night Lore. The Night Lord. Right. The Night Lore. Uh, is there a? Well, there is a trend for stripped down sort of metal. Is there a particular track on here that you think is cool to listen to? Uh, I can't think of a specific one at the moment. What is this? Um, uh, you could probably just, I don't know, since this great episode spark episode from the dark. Up, play yeah. one of the songs that's uh, shorter length. 
the uh, night the night lord that's good. so see my, i don't have my uh thumb on the pulse nearly <laughs> as much. You, you already have the cd that's true i only have it because when i order i ordered some slough cds from cruz del sur and he sent me some so he sent me the box some of the manly, wrong cds some manly metal oh, he's, he, sent, oh yeah. he sent me a box of the wrong cds so uh, i was like you want me to send them back and he's like i yeah, just keep them so uh Sometimes I, I just I just give them away when people like when people order um, people order from Slowfake.com they order like you know two records oh, and a CD Raven, and some stickers oh well, yeah I'll throw Raven. in some Vultures Vengeance Vultures in there <laughs> Raven Metal Manly Metal I'm gonna dig on some of this Manly Metal here it has it listed like like it's like sides of the record they do look kind of manly I guess <laughs> oh they look the guys uh, look manly yeah or? they look kind of manly oh, I'm gonna see if this is. I'm gonna see if this is the the night lore. Oh wow, man, you guys are pretty manly. Yeah, they, oh, they are pretty. This is pretty manly. Yeah, let's check it out. I'm gonna see if we can. Like, I like think this is the night lore. Let's listen to this. Guys. Vulture's vengeance.
So that that was a that was manly metal. Yeah, you know, manly. These guys are taking the the, the new. The hot new manly metal scene. By a, taking by it to the man. Storm. Taking it to the man. They're sticking it to the man. <laughs> that was somewhat. That was somewhat manly. There was some. There was definitely some. Uh, that's cool. Sure. Yeah. In that, yeah. In the, or, what's, what's manly? I mean, manly. That's a tough thing these days. Man. That's a tough. That's a tough fucker. A tough scene. Call yourself manly. You know? Yeah. You got to watch the whole gender thing. It's very. But difficult. even but no. But even though, if you're going to be manly, then I think it's it's got to have some force behind it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It's got to have some force. It's got to force, man. It's got to have some some grunts and growls. Androgyny is all is all the rage, right? Non-binary metal. (laughs) Well, I mean that's sort of the name of the game from the beginning. You know what I mean? Non-binary metal isn't that the thing? Isn't that how it started? You know, Alice Cooper. You know what? Oh yeah. You know this guy. This guy. Even Al um, Cooper. Even Al Cooper. his face? Doctor Hugh Pyle talks about Alice Cooper in the truth about in his book, the truth about rock music. I don't know exactly where the thing is, but uh, there is a a thing in here that says um, uh, it's about the deceit and delusion of rock. Yeah, they call it rock. Yeah, people refer to it as rock anymore. Hey, do you like rock? You know, you like rock music. A converted rock too. addict said there was a rock there addict, was the yeah. marijuana smell always. Oh, I read that. <laughs> a rock I read addict. I know, right? It sounds like well, converted it sounds like rock about something addict. Else, obviously, the filthy words and atmosphere, the fights, the violence. A lot of rock addicts right outside the door here, but a different kind of thing. Um, I would get high three hours with rock and intent and incense seemed like, like a just minute moments. Or so. Yeah, yeah, I, I read that part. <laughs> That's great stuff, man. We gotta. Yeah. This is like so much lyrics in this book. Yeah, I think so. Almost as much as that Gloria Steinem book. <laughs> that's our next. Oh, no, uh, that's the next concept. That's yeah. the concept. That's gonna be the Hammers of Misfortune lyrics I was gonna write. Gloria, Gloria Steinem Steinem's not uh, uh, book that's not on feminism. It's just like a self-help thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interesting it's man- things in manly. there. It's, 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 it's manly it's, in a different it's, way. It's non-binary. Yeah. Definitely a different way. Well, hey, uh, Rob, uh, thanks so much for uh, providing us with the, the, all this really Thanks for being cool part of the dream, stuff, man. man. Yeah, you were part, yeah, part of the yeah, dream. Part of the dream. Rob Preston. is the dream from the beginning, man. Rob, Rob Preston helped uh, help bring the dream to yeah, life, He man. was part of the dream, definitely. He, he brought the dream to life. He was yeah, it was the, fun. Uh, definitely, uh, I like sharing music with people. Oh, so, totally. uh, One of the first true yeah, champions like of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, stop rock and roll. Yeah, stop rock and roll, literally. Yeah, just, just, you know, boobs and blow. You know, nonstop. Yeah. All right. Not so, necessarily in that order. <laughs> so this has been Slapfake Radio, ep- uh, season three, episode oh my one. Oh, God. Yes, yeah, yeah. season three, episode one. Uh, uh, once again, Rob Preston from Oregon, uh, our special guest <laughs> from tonight. Oregon. <laughs> from, from Oregon. From <laughs> yeah. Oregon. Formerly, formerly from Fremont, California. You know that band, formerly Oregon? From, uh, what? The, that, that man metal band, Oregon? Or, no, I don't. You don't know? Okay, Oregon. Well, Oregon. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it yeah. called Oregon or it's almost like Oregon? No, right? just like Oregon. Oregon. Like a, Oregon. Like O-R-G-A-N. Oregon. Or gain something, or gain. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They put out a couple seven inches, you know. Oh, it was really cool. 
Damn, man. <laughs> okay. That's we're gonna, just silenced we're rock. We're going to sign off with some punk rock. Uh, punk thanks ag- rock? Thanks but... again, Rob. Uh, take it easy. We'll talk to you soon, man. And uh, everybody out there, stay wait, safe. Wait, 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 wait. What are you putting on now? Seeing that we're on the uh, track of love, this is about a certain young man's mistake. You know, she forgot to wear her today, yesterday. said, I am the cleanest girl you've ever gone out with. Thank